This is Sam Sports Podcast. It is Friday, March 18th, 2016, and I have a very, very special treat for you today. Today, coming on the show is my good buddy, Shaka Shervington. We're going to cut right to the interview very soon. You'll have me. I'm going to do another introduction, too. It's just I, I wanted to kind of open this up. Shaka was so awesome to come on the show with me today, talk some sports, um, talked about the Jets, talked about the Eagles. Chaka is a fantastic interview, so I think you guys will enjoy it as much as I did. Please bear with me. Uh, we were working with a few sound issues during the um, podcast, so you might see some sound interference. But overall, it, I think it came out pretty well, and I think you'll enjoy it as much as I did. And without further ado, Chaka. I very, very excited today to have a very, very good friend of mine on the show to talk some sports a psych major at NYU, also building manager and training at 20 Pine Condominiums in Manhattan, so he knows a thing or two about some New York sports. Welcome to the show, Shaka Shervington. Shaka, welcome. Thank you for having me, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good to have you aboard. So good to have you. So very, very excited to have Shaka on the show today, and uh, he definitely is a man who cares about his New York Jets, J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yes, and, dude, let's just jump into one of the biggest questions that's out there right now, which is Ryan Fitzpatrick, which sounded like a lock that he would be there, but now I don't know. What What are your well, thoughts on this? Well, you would think he would be a lock. All things considered, Ryan Fitzpatrick has had pretty much the epitome of the journeyman's career. He's mm-hmm. been everywhere at this point. And he's put up his best numbers in New York, and it, it should pretty much be a shoe in because how many other teams need a backup quarterback to start? Yeah. You know, granted, the Texans already kind of took care of that problem earlier in the year. Yeah, and and Fitzpatrick was on the Texans before. They're not going to want him back. Yeah, exactly. That's old. That's an old road travel for them. So, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick should be pretty much ecstatic at the fact that the team wants him to be their starter outright. But mm-hmm. I think he's a little upset that he's getting quote unquote backup money. So, yeah. You know, do do we have an idea of what the uh, what money they've offered him? No, it's it's just always in, you know, quotation marks, backup money. Whatever it is, is not high enough to, you know, meet his liking. And I think especially that whole uh, Chase Daniel deal yeah. that just went down, he's also kind of pointing out that it's, I think it's in the range of a Chase Daniel's deal. And, so. and, that's, and that's sort of the thing, which is, you know, uh, I like about the Eagles. I love my Eagles in the sense that they jump out and they'll do contracts right away before the rest of the league sort of sets a standard. Credit to them because they've kind of gotten a lot of their offseason work that's pretty much done. They just got to do their drafting, and they should be ready to go for the season, actually. Yeah, and they're not going to be stuck in a situation where they've got to overpay someone because, well, you know, Denver gave this guy this amount of money. Why aren't I getting the same amount of money? Well, I mean, I think everything really, one of the big hurdles in this whole deal is, uh, believe it or not, Colin Kaepernick. His deal is still kind of up in the air because he was pretty much trade bait you know, for the entire half the NFL regular season. And now he's, it looks like he's kind of making up with the 49ers because he has a deal that's pretty much, if he's on the roster after April 1st, he gets about $12 million. Yeah. And the, it doesn't look like the, the trade talks are kind of dying down, especially, mm-hmm. you know, with teams, you know, looking for a quarterback. So Colin Kaepernick, I think it's just a win-win scenario for him and the 49ers right now that he stays in town. That he sticks it out and figures out how to work with uh, uh, Chip Kelly. Who's been awfully quiet this offseason. Chip Kelly's yeah. pretty much been quiet as soon as he, he went to the 49ers. But I think that's on purpose. He just recently actually endorsed having 
Kaepernick stay. So I think that's going to pan out. We just have to wait and see because who knows, though, a couple days before that um, 12, million, 12 million bonus kicks in, they might decide to just, you know, trade him anyway. So it really hinges on what happens with Kaepernick, but it looks like he's going to stay, which I kind mean, of tightens the noose for Fitzpatrick staying with the Jets. That whole scenario was strange to me. I mean, A, Chip Kelly has clearly got his tail between his legs after getting fired by the Eagles, so I don't think he wants to make too many waves when he arrives in San Francisco. Um, yeah, he's kind of like a wounded animal right now. He's just, you know, he's tail between his legs. He's going to just wait until, you know off-season exercises start before he even starts to say anything but he's very very quiet right now yeah I'm I'm I was curious how this whole thing was going to play out because you know Kaepernick there was some suspicion that uh, Kelly would either want to get rid of him I think there was a feeling that after he got injured this year with that bloated contract they're going to want to move on from him However, then there seemed to be a change of heart. There seemed to be a feeling of, well, listen, it's a lot of money. Let's ride this out because it's going to be too much dead money on our cap. So let's just at least see if we can get another season out of him. But then there were rumors coming out that Kaepernick wanted to go play for the Cleveland Browns and Hugh Jackson. And uh, what? Yeah, it's it's, I I think he was just frustrated with management period, especially after after Jim Harbaugh left the 49ers. Pretty much, I think Kaepernick kind of felt like the odd man out and. His play to start the season just, I think, represented how uncomfortable he felt in this mm-hmm. new system. Mm-hmm. So I think also he had he just had off-season uh, shoulder surgery. Mm-hmm. So it's, I think it's on his non-throwing arm, but it still kind of makes him a question mark as to whether or not he's going to be healthy enough to play a full NFL schedule, which mm-hmm. makes it seem like the 49ers are kind of taking a gamble here. It's a lot of money for a guy who may not stay healthy for a full season. But that kind of shows you just how bad things are. Yeah. And they need yeah. him. They need him, especially for the kind of offense they want Chip Kelly to run out there. Yes. They, they want, I mean, he's going to want a, a quarterback who can be mobile in the pocket, I feel. And he's got a great arm. Kaepernick, I mean, it's not said enough, but I, back when they were winning games, Kaepernick could throw. He could throw a mile. So, Like his I, legs were not the only thing involved. He was able, like those, I remember those pretty touchdown passes to Vernon Davis. Yeah. Vernon Davis, I mean, he made Vernon Davis look good. He made he him did. look great. At the, yeah. He did make so Vernon Davis look good. He just started throwing too many picks, and he just looked – he didn't look confident at no. all. He didn't look comfortable. And, so. you know, you have to also take it with a grain of salt considering that that, you know, that Niners team sort of fell off a cliff during, A, the turmoil between Jim Harbaugh and the, the front office – and then the departure of all those defensive players. I mean, that Niners team just sort of. Last year, was it Jim Tom Sula? Am I wrong? I don't was, remember. It was Jim Tom Sula for a single season. Wow. Yeah, they really, they really rocked the boat out there. So I mean, yeah, and it's tying up the Jets basically. It's just there's so much uncertainty with the quarterback situation, and RG three has been on the shelf for so long. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that that guy was such a super talent. When he got yeah. drafted, now he's kind of an afterthought for I mean, everyone. He is truly an afterthought, and uh, I mean, do you think that uh, you think the Jets would go get RG three? I'm terrified if they go get RG three. <laughs> he's, he's less of a known quantity than he had those was it two knee surgeries on both knees, and I mean, uh, he's just he's. I, I mean, he's I remember that playoff game when I saw his knee buckle in the middle of the game. Oh God, yeah, and, and they kept him in too. So I mean, it's. In. It's really, do you want to give the keys to the car to a guy who has uh, been in two car accidents already? You know, <laughs> so I think they're kind of waiting to see uh, if Fitzpatrick's just going to kind of 
suck it up and realize it's a business and it just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense for them to pay him that kind of money, especially mm-hmm. when the Jets still need some help. Mm-hmm. They're, uh, they're still trying to get some more cap room. And I think that's one of the reasons why they let uh, the corner go. What's this guy's name? Antonio Cromartie. They let yeah, him yeah, go yeah. just to save some money. And, he you know, also, he was, respect. he really underperformed last season and they also gave him some, they gave him some good money. He's been beaten. He's been burned by quite a few wide receivers over the last few years. It's been it's been hard to watch, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I hope that the uh, guys we have, I think it's D. Milner and I forget the other I mean, guys. Buster name. Screen. Buster Screen. That's his Buster name. Screen. Hopefully, can fill in and kind of you know keep that defense afloat because Revis is not he's not a shutdown corner anymore per se. He's he's, he's still great. He's, he's still good. Great. He's better than Cromartie. But he definitely got beat a few times last year, especially DeAndre Hopkins and I think Sammy Watkins mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of put a beating on him there, exposed him. You know, so, that, that was a little bit of these young, explosive wide receivers putting yeah. him in his place. And it wasn't like the Texans were, you know, a team to really be terrified of. So mm-hmm. it's it's very telling. I think they need to save some money to kind of keep the defense together. I think they're putting a tag on Muhammad Wilkerson. Is that is that going to happen, or you think that's going to happen? I I think that's probably the most likely scenario. I don't know for sure if they're going to do it yet, but um, they've already lost snacks. They lost big snacks to the Giants, which is kind of a big hole to fill. Well, they they just got this guy from Pittsburgh, McClendon, Steve McClendon. He's a solid guy. He's a solid guy. he He played a few games for the Steelers last year, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't. He wasn't that guy. He's not Damon Harrison. Yeah, he's not going to fill that void. And granted, the one thing I really like about the Jets' defense is you're not really going to get any pro bowlers, per se, on the squad, but you got guys who fill roles, and they play those roles very well. Sheldon mm-hmm. Richardson's a prime example. Yeah. He's not really going to make a pro bowl, but he's that guy. He can play defensive end when you need. He can shift to linebacker. Just very versatile guys who like to play in this, like, tough, you know, run-stopping defense. I mean, I really, I really like Sheldon Richardson. I thought he played very – he just got in the doghouse after all those off-season issues last year. Yeah. Crazy, crazy offseason. I think he got caught with a gun and like marijuana. He's driving like a hundred and something miles an hour down the uh, road. Yeah. Th- this was the one where he was driving in his hometown, tried to park in someone's driveway to hide from the police, <laughs> only Man. for them to find him, find the gun and the marijuana in the car along with his thirteen-year-old nephew. Oh man, yeah, he's been very he's been very vocal about saying that you can say whatever you want about the money in the offseason, but he said I'm a team guy first. So I think he's really trying to take the attention off of his uh off the field activities. But it's just it's crazy. That's he's great. He's still a great player. Hopefully he can kinda keep everything on the field and we don't get any news stories about him uh in a club or anything else, you know, to be embarrassing. I mean I, I hope that's the case. Um, do you feel confident Fitz, Fitzpatrick will come back? Do you feel confident? Man, it's really hard to say. I, I'm just hoping I don't wake up to just a news story of him taking money from the Broncos. The Broncos, I, I feel like... Are, they, re- they are say, ready to pull the trigger on somebody. They say they're not interested in the kind of money that he's asking for, but, you know, you know, dire times, man. It'll make anyone change their mind. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Hopefully mm-hmm. the Jets up their offer a little bit to kind of appease him and his agent, but we'll see. Also, I think I think he has the same agent as uh, Brock Osweiler. Does he? I think so. It, it was something like that where I looked and I was like, well, that's probably why the Broncos are still kind of talking to him because mm-hmm. they have a existing dialogue through the agent. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Tom will tell him that. I mean, I'm at least positive about like, 
picking up Matt Forte. How how uh, fearful are you of Geno Smith taking over? Geno Smith is Plan X, I imagine. And if Geno Smith is a starting quarterback next year, that means someone dropped the ball okay. in, the, uh, in management. They dropped the ball big time because Geno, I think Geno, in my opinion, maybe not even a backup quarterback at this point. He just wow. looks he just wow. looks so dismal. Wow! I, I actually took a moment and looked back at the worst. Of Geno Smith, and it's, it's not like I really had to look that far back in history to get any uh, highlights, but there's just one game against the Vikings back when he was a starter. Mm-hmm. The first play of the game, I think we ran a play option, and it was pass, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. went right to the linebacker for a pick six Oof. to start the game. Oof. I think I, I remember watching that game live, too, and going, all right, I think I'm done with football for today. Just oh, a, man. Just a bad feeling. It's just always with Geno Smith is just a bad feeling every time. It's God. not a run. Yeah. It's just, you know, and this day and age, I think we've gotten to that point of giving quarterbacks enough time to prove themselves. However, we're also in the realm of you got to you got to show something fast. And after a couple seasons of being the starting quarterback, now Gino wasn't the starting quarterback for like four or five years, but he, he had the job long enough to be like, listen, you can make some mistakes, but we have to see some improvement. And I don't think we saw any improvement. I think you're absolutely right, really, with the stature limitations there. I, we uh, Definitely, maybe 10 years ago, you could kind of give a quarterback more time to really see how they fan out. Now it's kind of like one year, two years tops. And if you really don't produce or you don't give us some kind of sign, you're, you're gone. Yeah, you it's, it's so time to draft another quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, the state of the NFL quarterback is a very – it's a very fast-spinning revolving door right now. You can be just – put out on your butt. It, I can't tell you how many times I've looked and I'm like, whatever happened to this guy? I like, I had to Google Jake Locker the other day. Oh, I remember yeah. when he was like, don't pick coming out there like the next. He was something like the number before. 10 overall pick or something. Yeah. And he's out of the league already. He's gone. He's yeah. Just, he injury issues. And then he decided on an early retirement. Yeah. It's just amazing. Guys like Zach Mettenberger are, are barely hanging on. They're barely like, you know, even I mean, the Brandon so Whedon's like, Brandon Whedon was a really high draft pick. Brandon Whedon. Um, right. 28 wasn't he 28 when he drafted he was drafted really late yes he was very very older much older than normal quarterbacks and still still got a chance to play every now and then but i mean it's there's a very very small window for forgiveness so yeah especially uh, in the league today i just don't see geno smith uh panning out with the with the jets unfortunately but i mean they they already gave him a deal with so much money so they kind of ride it out yeah so he's the last last resort god help us all well, here, uh, hang on just one second. I'm uh, going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, we are back. Thank you very much. Uh, jumping right back in. We're not off the Jets yet. Shaka, I need more thoughts from you about the Jets. So, um, Matt Forte, you mentioned this a little bit earlier. He comes to the Jets. What yes. are your thoughts initially? Well, I mean, it just kind of goes hand in hand with uh, the Jets' history of drafting a little Well, not drafting, sorry, picking up just – experience we'll say old, older running backs because you know in the mm. nfl once mm-hmm. you hit 30 that's kind of all downhill from there yeah. so matt, matt forte i think just turned 30 yeah and i mean just, he's just fantastic i think he's still got another two or three years of solid you know nfl running in his uh tank left mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he's one of the only running backs to average 40 catches a season Besides, I think it's Ladanian Tomlinson, who we all know is a beast. Yeah, yeah. And another Jet, Curtis Martin, one of my yeah. favorites of all time. Curtis Martin averaged. I, I didn't really think about it. I was like, man, he averaged 40 catches a year for, I think it was 
eight seasons. I mean, it's crazy. Curtis Martin was an animal. Just, just produced, yeah. produced, produced. Even Matt Forte didn't have a full season. He had some injuries, I think, last year with the Bears, and mm-hmm. he still put up close to a thousand yards rushing, and he had about four hundred yards receiving. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's legit. I, I can't be upset with that, you know, with that kind of selection. Especially, I think in two thousand fourteen, he had a hundred catches as wow. a running. That's crazy. A hundred catches. I think LT's the only other back who's done that. I mean, it definitely seems like the Jets. You, you're absolutely right. They are very big on sort of bringing in certified, credible, um, older run. I don't want to call them older running backs because when they bring them in, their career is clearly not over. When Chris Johnson showed up, not old, but it just feels old to NFL execs. He's like. Stay I mean, LaDainia Tomlinson's career was not over when he came to the Jets. No, he played great for the Jets, and they had like a three-man running back system at this time, and he still put in, he still put up good numbers. Yeah, and I think that Forte is going to do a little bit of the same thing, and it, but it will resemble a little bit of that LaDainia Tomlinson time with the Jets, because I think it's only really going to last maybe a year or two. At best. I mean, I think he has, I think he's got a two or three-year deal with the Jets right that now. That makes sense. They're probably, they could probably get out of the third year. Yeah, it's I think for $12 million for the three years, which is a, it's, it's, it's an affordable price. It's not – they didn't run out and go crazy and overpay for him. They got him at a good price, I would mm-hmm. say. I think mm-hmm. it's also interesting because they re-signed uh, Bilal Powell, who kind of plays the mm-hmm. same role. He's, he's a running back. Mm-hmm. He's a hard-nosed running back, but he also catches the ball out of backfield. So yeah. there's kind of a redundancy there. And I think um, Matt Forte has a – knock of not really being able to run the football in in the red zone so yeah. i think they they want a little bit of a spread offense and also well people want the jets to draft this kid uh, from alabama this uh derrick henry mm-hmm. just a mm-hmm. monster running back I've, yeah i don't know if you've ever seen the picture floating around the internet but um it's mark ingram from the saints went mm-hmm. back for the championship game and he's standing right next to derrick henry in a photo and derrick henry is towering over him i mean the guy's six four and i think mark wow. ingram's like five eight and he just looks like a monster. Wow. So he, I think that people want uh, the Jets to take the uh, – they have the 20th pick in the draft this year, and they some people want him to take Derrick Henry. I think we need a, a linebacker, though. I mean – We're, I, we're I, a little short of linebacker position. Yeah, I agree with that because, you know, yeah, it's exciting, I think, to draft a guy like a Derrick Henry who's who's got a lot of upside, you know, almost kind of going in that same vein of the Rams taking Todd Gurley last year. Yeah. But, I'm very skeptical of blowing a high draft pick on a running back. You know, the position has become so diminished. If he's still around in the second round, you absolutely take him. But I mean, you, there's so many pick in the draft. Come on. Yeah. I mean, not that he's a bad player, but just running backs. Like, do you spend a pick that high on a running back? And I mean, I don't know. Todd Gurley's are not a sure thing every single year. Well, Jets fans, we have a history of, you know, kind of wanting that flashy pick. When Reggie Bush was available, I think we had the sixth pick that year, and people yeah. thought we should take Reggie Bush with the sixth oh pick. Oh, my God, let's go get Reggie Bush! Ah! Yeah, number six. I, it just felt like it was just, you know, it it would work out. But thankfully, we I think we got DeBrickishaw Ferguson instead. He yeah, was really picked out. That's a wonderful decision. How, so how many yeah, teams I has DeBrickichaw Ferguson been on? One team. How many teams has Reggie Bush been on? Four teams. <laughs> exactly. That's that's uh, all yeah. I have to say about that. I think we maybe need one more solid, maybe kind of a just between the tackles runner, just, you know, north to south guy to kind mm-hmm. of give Matt Forte a spell just so he can catch mm-hmm. his breath. 
mm-hmm. the old man, you know. But yeah, I think besides that, I think we're okay at the running back position. I think we maybe need one more vertical threat to kind of open up. Brandon Marshall had a fantastic year. He really did. And Eric Decker, kudos to Eric Decker. He is not just a product of that Denver Broncos scheme. He is a good receiver. I thought thought the Jets overpaid for him, and I had to shut my mouth last year because I think he put up I think he put up close to 10 touchdowns receiving last year. He yeah, was he unseen in that offense. He and Brandon Marshall were just a revelation on that offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it really, you know, and everyone thought Brandon Marshall was kind of over the hill. You know, yeah. more in action on the field. And he came in and, I mean, he played hard, always hustled. He put up big numbers. I mean, he had that one game with that god-awful lateral yep. that he tried to throw. But, yep. I mean, besides that, everything else has been on point. Fantastic. I mean, uh, fantasy football said it itself. I was able to scoop up uh, Brandon Marshall on one of my fantasy teams later in the draft, and that team ended up, I think, getting to the finals or something because Brandon Marshall ended up being one of my number one wide receivers who I got late in the draft because people didn't think he was going to have a good season. Exactly. I think I picked him up in my draft towards the end just because I needed to kind of shore up, and he ended up being the best pickup I made, I think. He was one of the top ten wide receivers in the league last year. So, yeah, just outstanding. I hope that carries over. And, you know, that all still hinges on Fitzpatrick staying and kind of, you know, keeping that that core of the offense together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and, we'll uh, I mean, bringing in a Forte, I like it. And, you know, Bilal Powell, having all these other guys, it creates, you know, more insurance at the position, more depth at the position. And we're in a time where there's a lot of depth at running back in the NFL. Yeah, you can pick up guys anywhere. I, we had Chris Ivory, and he did a great job last year. He just yeah. topped 1,000 yards. but. I think the Jaguars gave him like $30 million. They gave him good money. And, and also, Chris yeah. Ivory had a way of getting – I don't want to say he got hurt, but he slowed down towards the end of the season. Yeah, he had a really good – and towards the end, he got banged up a little bit. I think he missed a game or two, but he towards the end of the season, he wasn't the same runner he was at the start. But I think that's kind of his knock is that mm-hmm. he just – he doesn't have the endurance to make it through a full season usually. Same thing when he's with the Saints. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's I completely agree. I think um, I think we lucked out. We just need to pick up a linebacker in a draft, and we should be okay. I mean, this is a team that was very close to making it to the playoffs last year, and, you know, just a couple – one win or a couple of plays that go the wrong way, and, you know, you have a playoff team next year. I think – do you think they make the playoffs next year? Uh, I God willing. I mean, all because of a broken jaw, too, when you really think about it. Wow. If Gino, if Gino hadn't gotten – well, punched, Fitzpatrick never would have gotten the ball – yeah, Fitzpatrick was just – he came in to do what he usually does. He's a backup quarterback and ended up kind of having a career year. I think 39 touchdowns and I think almost 4,000 yards passing. So, I you know, mean, it, it's a win-win if he stays. It, it can't be a bad thing for him to stay. is truly one of the – I mean, he's tough. I don't want to know if I want to call him underrated, but he's tough to like because – that his positive play, he's almost got a Brian Hoyer. It's like as soon as he's playing really great, then he does something self-destructive that, like, you know, ruins his image and, you know, kind of gets him run out of a particular town. Um, like an oh, interception in a crucial game. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of his knock. He still hasn't really, he hasn't really proven that he can be a big game. I mean, just game. ask Buffalo. The Bills gave him big money. And I re- and I remember this pretty well. It was a season. They were, I think they were, 
uh, five and five or five and two or halfway through the season, he'd been playing really well. Buffalo gives him like a four or five year extension. I swear to God, as soon as he signed the extension, his play just went down the toilet. They proceeded to finish the rest of the season like four and six. They didn't make the playoffs. I think the coach gets fired. He plays one more season and then they cut him. He got comfortable. And he got comfortable, and then he went to Tennessee for a year. He went to Houston last year. He he had that game last year, or uh, you know, he's on the Jets. But two years ago, he was on the Texans. He had a game where he threw six touchdowns. Yeah, I remember that actually. He just—that's the thing. He had these really, really bright spots, and there other times it was like, God, is this the same guy? One touchdown and four interceptions in a game. Hey so, man, you know, it's, I think he just had the yips. College degree from Harvard. Oh, that's right, Harvard. Harvard you know, grad. <laughs> just, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, I get it. It's a business. He wants starter money, but he hasn't really shown that he is worth starter money. No, I, I completely agree. Um, can we shift to my Eagles for a second? Please, let's do it. Let's talk a little bit about my Eagles. Number one, quarterback situation. So my that's big right. discussion was situation as well. I mean, I thought it was going to be all right. Are they going to keep Bradford or are they going to sign Chase Daniel? And I was surprised to find out they decided to do both. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's not bad to have the insurance policy. No, it's not. I think everyone's still waiting. Is it six years now for, for Bradford in the league? Um, uh, just I think kind so. of waiting for him to arrive, I think. To really, really kind of prove that he's that number one draft pick. All in all, I wasn't too disappointed with last year. I definitely thought he performed better than I was expecting. Um, I, I certainly, you know, didn't like some of the turnovers. I think some of his numbers were inflated. There was a few games where they got blown out and then he just kind of played a lot of garbage time and was still able to put 300 yards up. But, uh, you know, it didn't really give me the impression that he's thoroughly changed his ways and turned into a passer who sends the ball down the field. I wasn't really getting that from him, even though, you know, he sort of has that capacity, but I didn't see him airing it out. I've, well, that's the big knock, and I think I want to say that we can kind of attribute some of that to just the Chip Kelly offense. I don't mm-hmm. know if he really felt that he had the personnel to spread the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have that kid Matthews who did a great job. Mm-hmm. But uh, besides that, I mean, Zach Ertz was great. Brett Selleck, you know, is a Philly legend. Yes. But uh, I really didn't think they had the, the, the wide receiver personnel to kind of really air it out and oh, get the ball downfield. Uh, they did sign, you guys did sign um, Chris. Is it Chris Givens? We did sign Chris Givens. Who has played with uh, Bradford before. But I, so I think part of um, getting Bradford feeling comfortable with the guys around him, that mm-hmm. was a good move. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think this is probably his last year to kind of prove that he has what it takes to be a starting quarterback. Yeah, because... But I still mean to be a bad quarterback. I think he... He can be a starter, but I think people want to know if he's, you know, he can put a team over the top with yeah. what he has around him. And this is maybe his last shot because he either does it this year and sort of wins over that job and Chase Daniel stays in his backup position, or he doesn't and, you know, the game's over and, you know, I think he, he gets cut after this season and Chase Daniel's given the job. And I still think another team is going to try to take a chance on him before he leaves this league. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think just the quarterback position, having a guy who can run the offense, period, is it's a luxury. So he, someone's going to want him if he doesn't pan out in Philly. Mm-hmm. I think there's a contingency of people already kind of hoping that Chase Daniel takes a starting position from him in, uh, in preseason, but mm-hmm. we'll see. It's still kind of a, a, a big question. Yeah. 
It's, we'll it's, see a, it's a very big question because, you know, as, as, ex, as, as much excitement is surrounding Chase Daniel, uh, he's still very unproven. He's never had a starting job. Pretty much. He had a couple good games with um, Kansas City, though, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He came in. He had to play relief, or I think he had to play garbage time. I mean, you know, he's one of these guys where we just do not have – we haven't seen enough. He's kind of like a Matt Flynn before, you okay. know, he actually got starting jobs somewhere. This is true. I mean, I'm I, not saying he's Matt Flynn. I don't think Matt Flynn's a very good quarterback, but nobody knew until he actually was given a job. One of the big issues, I think, is probably, well, one of the reasons why DeMarco Murray didn't work out is just the offensive line. I mean, just getting, yeah. just getting Bradford some time because he's 100% he's a pocket passer, and it also goes back to that comfort level thing. If he's not comfortable in the pocket and he's got to be scrambling from a collapse, he's just not going to throw the football well, which I think is what really – kind of contributed to a lot of those interceptions he threw this year. Not really characteristic of him. I probably the offensive line wasn't really giving him, you know, the confidence he had to just stand in the pocket and throw the football. I so completely we'll agree. I completely agree. And I think that that can also, at least in my opinion, still be attributed to Chip Kelly because he let the wide receiver. This was, I think, one of the biggest things that got him fired was how he managed the roster. He let wide receivers walk out the door with Jeremy Macklin, and he really didn't replace them. I mean, he did, but it just didn't work. You know, Riley Cooper was a disappointment. Miles Austin was over the hill. Josh Huff has not evolved as quickly as they had hoped. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jordan Matthews sort of doesn't take a step forward when you were hoping he was going to take a step forward. And then from the offensive line, they they let everybody walk. I mean, I don't know if Todd Har- like I think Todd Harriman's was over the hill, but he probably was going to create a little bit more cohesion and stability on that offensive line than simply right. letting him walk. And Evan Mathis leaving as well. I mean, there was clearly a dispute there. There was in-house bickering between Mathis and Chip Kelly, and he was just like, you know what, we're done, goodbye. But it says everything you say. It's it it left the wide receiver position diminished, so he didn't have people. Uh, Bradford didn't have people he can throw to, and it left the off the offensive line diminished, so he had nobody to protect him. I mean, how are you going to have him perform? Credits to the Eagles organization for, I mean, what exactly rubs someone in the in the upper office the wrong way about Chip Kelly, where they finally were like, we have to get this guy out of here. I mean, I, we, we might not know. I mean, I can tell you a big reason was that last press conference. Have you heard about this one? No. His Okay, so he gets fired uh, the week leading up to the this, the week 17 game. So he's, he's, it's right before – it's like Tuesday or Wednesday, you know, of the last week of the, of the regular season. And he gives a press conference to Philadelphia. He's in, you know, his press conference, the whole normal thing. And they start grilling him. This is essentially they just lost to the Redskins on Saturday night, and they're out of the playoffs because they lost to the Redskins. <laughs> so they're talking to him, and they're like, you know, hey, you know, what What did you think that maybe some of the people you brought in in the offseason had something to do with it? And he looked at the friggin' Philly crowd and was just like, I'm not the general manager. I don't make offseason moves. So, you know, I trust that the front office knows what they're doing, and they'll take care of that. The classic. He almost sounds like he he's an athlete on the team because that's usually what their um, default answer is. I don't make yeah. the decisions around here, dude. And I think that I think that whether it was transparent or not, it was pretty clear, at least through the rumor mill, that Chip Kelly had orchestrated a power play coup last off season to gain control of the team and the roster, and for him to come out and essentially get in front of the media and say, well, actually, that wasn't my call. 
I think that that was was breeding toxicity in house. Right. And I think Jeffrey Lurie, the owner, was probably the quickest person to be like, you know what, this this is this is over. We're done. You know, step into my office. Why? Because yeah. yeah. you're fucking fired. <laughs> And it's, and I mean it's it's and like the very next day he was fired after that press conference it's just you know and, and I said this a lot first couple of podcasts I I did Shaka I said a lot of this with how the Eagles you know they're neat when you go to work and you see somebody at work whether it's your coworker the person you see at the water cooler everybody's kind of got to be on the same page some people you like some people you go have a happy hour drink with some people you talk about you know Game of Thrones with or whatever. Um, but you have to have a rapport with all these people. Now, I don't know what the dynamic is for a football team. I'm sure it's a little different. I'm sure there's locker rooms and there's front offices and there's, you know, it's not personal. It's just business. But there has to be like a functional in-house rapport. And I think that Chip from day one was create was changing the culture to sort of match his image but it was changing the whole culture in a way that was putting them more in a, this is how I do things. If you don't like it, get the hell out. Well, yeah, it's very possible. He's just an absolute control freak and he yeah. just did not feel okay without having, I mean, he changed the diets for some of the players. Yeah. So when you start messing with a man's food at some point, he's going to be like, all right, this better fucking work because yeah. I'm doing it for you. And when it wasn't, oh. I feel like they were getting kind of, reciprocity from him you know or encouragement enough where they're like this guy just he doesn't give a crap so one of the things that i really noticed was okay so his players i think when he began changing the culture that you know you were saying about the food the diet the the schedule you know all these guys they've played whether they've played on other teams or not they know that the rest of the league has a general sort of schedule you know on this day you rest this day you come and you do a walkthrough this day you come in you game plan for sat for sunday's game so I think in season one, everybody was like, all right, listen, he's a new coach. Let's give him a shot. Let's go with this new, you know, smoothie regiment. Let's do this whole exercise regimen. Everybody was on board. However, I think after season one, some of the people started to be like, you know what? I don't really know if I like this stuff as much anymore. And I think there started to be some dissension in the ranks. And I think that when that happened, then you started to see some real toxic um, behavior happening. It was soon after that that Deshaun Jackson was cut for nothing. I mean, you couldn't even get anything for him. Come on, man. That was a clear sign. You know, I don't think I wanted to admit it, but it was a clear sign that there was a something amiss. There was a power play going on. There was a real sense of like, you know, this can't be something where he just was like, it's my way or the highway, and Deshaun Jackson didn't fit in, and he's getting him out of here, right? That's not what happened, right? I, I think that's think, exactly what happened. I would have to look at unbelievably Rex Ryan with the Jets as a, an example of a guy who didn't necessarily bring teams to the playoffs or win games, but the guys were always behind him. Yeah. One of the things I could always yeah. say was 95% of the guys in the locker room would stand up for Rex Ryan. Even and they, when, they would jump in front of a bus for him. Yeah, he had, he, he had their hearts. Mm -hmm. So even to the day where he left the team, there were guys who you know were like, I wish him the best, mm -hmm. which is Crazy to say for a guy who I think the Jets only made it to the playoffs one time. Uh, twice. Twice. And, you know, got knocked out early one time. And Actually, no, I believe both years they went to the AFC title game. Did they go to two back-to-back -back AFC title games? I think they went to the title game the first year, back when uh, we still thought Sanchez, Sanchez was legitimate. 
Yeah, you know, and then I think the next year we got bumped the first first playoff game. No, so, that, no, that again, makes sense. you know, it's it's not exactly like Rex Ryan has this just distinguished Jets career, but he had the players support, which mm-hmm. is I which think is more than we can say for Chip Kelly. It's very telling about Chip Kelly if the guys were like, maybe they went to him in the, you know, the office and tried to talk to him about it and they felt like they couldn't really relate to him. I so mean, it made I mean, Chip Kelly, of all people, the odd man out. I heard more than one report discussing how players tried to approach him and speak with him directly. And he was hard to get an, he was hard to, you know, it was hard to get a moment to sit down and talk with him. It was hard to sort of get through to him. Like it was kind of like he became less accessible. And it's like all of that just sounds, it just sounds dysfunctional. Yeah. Who wants to play for that kind of guy? Yeah. You can't relate to your coach, the guy who's supposed to be leading you you know, to victory, and you can't even speak to him. Who wants to play there? And I think the biggest indictment about his handling of of the of the, his entire position, from head coach to roster to GM to whatever job he claims he didn't have, the biggest indictment is a how he was fired, how you know when he was fired, the speech that the owner made after he was fired. You know, you can read between the lines. I watched that. It's my team. The owner was straight <laughs> up saying, you know. There are some, you know, some, he's like, we need to really rethink how leadership looks in the NFL in the modern day, which in some ways is saying, you know what, I was with Chip Kelly for three years and I learned that this is not how we do things here in Philadelphia. And he had to rip the bandaid off, fire him. And then to go a step further, he took the GM, Howie Roseman, essentially who he stripped all the power from and gave to Chip Kelly took that power, gave it right back to Howie Roseman, and Howie Roseman has systematically purged the entire team of just about every player that Chip Kelly brought in with the exception of Sam Bradford. It's pretty much been like a role reversal. I feel everything Andy Reid did right, they kind of re-implemented in terms of personnel and coaching. And, I mean, Doug Peterson's, you know, he doesn't want to say he's from the Andy Reid coaching tree, but he is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's a quarterback that played for Andy Reid in Philadelphia during Reid's first year as a coach. He's been working for Andy Reid the last couple of seasons in Kansas City. And the most painful thing that I have to say about Chip Kelly is the fact that, you know, we're, we're essentially hitting reset and going right back to where we were. And the painful part is that now we're doing it without Deshaun Jackson and LaShawn McCoy. Yes. Man, big guys. Deshaun Jackson can still play. I, I don't These really. These guys know. have got a lot of left, a lot of gas left in the tank. Deshaun Jackson personally took the Eagles out of the playoffs the last two years with his Redskins team. Yeah, I mean, just it, I feel like Deshaun Jackson fit a lot better with the Eagles than he does with the Redskins. I agree. He has games out there, four catches for forty-six yards. You know, like where is he he's, supposed he's, to? He's he's all about like give me one catch for eighty yards. That's all I need. Yeah, and he'll be and he'll shut up. You don't mm-hmm. really hear much from him. But when he's not getting the ball is when he kind of turns back into that, oh, this is why we have so many character issues. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I thought he was a much better fit. I mean, I think about character issues with the Eagles or the Jets or whomever. Nobody is more dysfunctional when it comes to that about the Redskins. They are they're right up there with the Browns, in my opinion, about being run terribly. I mean, amazingly, amazingly still have a semblance of a good team. Yeah, well, and won the division last year. Kirk Cousins, really. Kirk Cousins kind of kept this, the, the ship from sinking out I there, I mean, really. thank God, because la- uh, not this past season, but two seasons ago, I mean, Kirk Cousins was being left for dead. He was given a shot. They were all pretty convinced that he wasn't going to work out at all. You're right. I remember he 
I, I did something happen in the offseason. Actually, you know what? Give credit to their tight end. Um, Jordan Reed had a fantastic yeah. game. He's pretty yeah, much he the, the go-to guy for Cousins, you know, in third down situations and the red zone. He never let him down, it looks like, out there. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. every now and then, Deshaun Jackson would pop back and go, hey, remember me, guys? I'm mm-hmm. open. So, you know, they had a couple of moments where just guys would show up. And they, they took it as far as they could. But I don't know. Um, I don't see Kirk Cousins repeating that kind of performance this year. Uh, the running I, back situation is a little dicey, too. I don't necessarily see them taking a step back. I can say that. Yeah. I mean, at least I, not with Kirk Cousins. I, I think the Redskins, I think the success that they have, they fall into. I mean, Kirk Cousins was drafted the same year as Robert Griffin. It, it, I mean, it was really just kind of like, oh, we just we just sort of happened into our franchise quarterback, just like we sort of happened into signing Deshaun Jackson because – you know, he was available at a time when nobody else thought he'd be available. They're just, I think they're just, uh, I, I don't know. I, it, it always happens. Every now and then you get a couple good beats and you just take it and run. I think they just got, happened to get lucky this year. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just can't see that team. It doesn't really feel cohesive. I've seen them win games. I've seen them blow out teams. Mm-hmm. And then other games, I've seen them look like mortal and go, oh, this is more like the Redskins team that I imagined them to be. So they had a couple games. Even uh, I remember that game where Kirk Cousins um, took him downfield and won it, and he ran into the locker room, and he was screaming, you like that, huh? You, you like that? that? You like that? It's just no one no one saw that coming. No one yeah. was ready for that. So, of course, when he says it, you're like, you know what? I actually kind of do. I, good job. I mean, the whole season turned from then on. We're not really thinking about the fact that they were losing to the Buccaneers. <laughs> <laughs> they came down the field and just beat the Buccaneers. That's it's it's not like you're beating the Patriots or anything here, man. It's the Bucks. Yeah. Speaking uh, of the Patriots, man, the Patriots they look and the Patriots and the Giants particularly put in a couple uh well Giants not so subtle. The Patriots a little more subtle because they got um they got I mean, another they just guy got from Martellus the Bennett. Which is uh terrifying because they haven't been this good since another unnamed tight end uh got convicted of murder. Oh oh the, the he who shall not be named. He who shall not be named. Karen Hernandez. They look good, man. Uh Martellus Bennett didn't have a great year last year, but the year before that he's kid's a beast. So. I still think he's a he's a hell of a tight end and really he just got you know, Zach Miller's younger and cheaper and, and they just sort of signed him and found him. So Chicago I think Chicago was happy to find a trade partner. I think they did guy. the right thing actually. Zach they Miller did. had a really good year in he terms did. of uh And he deserves he, he deserves up. that contract. Yeah, he, he earned that. I, I would think he earned that. I, I just feel bad. Martellus Bennett just he's just the odd man out in that situation. But I think he'll be OBK because that Patriots offense is set up for, for yeah. just they love tight ends in that offense. Oh and the God. way they set up the field the defense has no choice but to adjust and it puts them off balance yeah and they were they were looking for that in scott chandler this year they got that tight end from the bills uh but the patriots cut him and i think they're very ready to give it to martellus bennett i mean the patriots are sort of the lottery for a lot of these players it's like oh you know i don't know how i played my cards but now I'm, i'm catching balls from tom brady it's a halfway house almost, it feels like. They have all these guys who, like, at wit's end just show up in the Patriots, and all of a sudden it's a redemption project. Yeah, man. I mean, Steven Jackson, listen, he might not have much to – he might not be in the league this year, but darn it, he had his first playoff rushing touchdown last year with the Patriots. LeGarrette <laughs> <laughs> Blunt, who kind of fell out in Tampa Bay. Uh, it's just a bunch of guys. I remember yeah. – um, I mean, he had a resurgence with the Patriots. He won a Super Bowl with them. Just amazing. I mean, so I, I, I'm really terrified about the Patriots. I think they're going to be, well, they did lose. Uh, they lost Chandler Jones though to the, uh, to the Cardinals. 
That yeah. was that was calculated, and the Patriots are so calculated about those things. I mean, they traded him. I think they knew they weren't going to be able to pay him the money that he deserved. No, just and not. there were other yeah. defensive players that they needed to commit money to, and they were smart about it. They moved him early on before I think there was a there was too much of a negotiation issue. Now they don't need to figure out how to find money for him because they've traded him. Uh, he starts gearing up for a new team and, you know, they got Jonathan Cooper from the Cardinals, who's been a very disappointing offensive lineman. However, as we said, people get rejuvenated when it comes, when they come to the Patriots, who's to say that Jonathan Cooper won't thrive on the offensive line with new England just because he needed to change the scenery. I think they just, I think the Patriots just have that confidence that they can kind of coach anyone into, if not a great player, just like a functional player, you can fit a role in this offense or this defense. And we can kind of survive from there. It's pretty much been their, their testament for like the last 15 years. It's just mm-hmm. we work with what we have and we mm-hmm. can make it either good or better. So, but, I mean, they're great. And then the Giants, the Giants pretty much. Giants spent a lot of money on defense. On defense. They scooped up. Well, I don't know how it's going to work out with Janoris Jenkins because, I mean, I think he just fit that that uh, St. Louis defense really well. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to be a little bit more exposed than the Giants. Really? So okay. how he fits. But um, they took David Harrison from the Jets and Olivier it's Vernon from the Dolphins. I mean, that's a guy when he comes when he lines up at nose tackle, you got to put two guys on him, so you have to respect it. Which is listen, I think all those moves are great because the Giants definitely needed some help on the defense. I think the Giants are switching their defense. Um, I think they were three four, and I think they're going to a four three this year. I mean, so I, I, think- I that's what the Eagles are doing. They were a three four with Chip Kelly. They're going to a four three with Jim Schwartz. I like that. So yeah, exactly. I it didn't the Eagles the Eagles always 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 had that great defense. I remember guys like Hugh Douglas and uh, oh, Trent yeah. Cole like oh, yeah. defenses. So it they would know, they would eat up guys. I'm, 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 I'm. That's a good look for um for the 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 Eagles. I think also I'm thinking of Brian Dawkins. Brian Dawkins was oh, also yeah. so good that you could kind of like you could have a few gaps cuz he would fill it for you. Mhm. And, and he so, would hit Brian Dawkins hit people hard. He is, uh, yeah. He's straight up like Hall of Fame Eagles for me, Brian Dawkins, man. Just a super intelligent guy. Kind of like an Ed Reed. Yeah, Ed Reed definitely. Just super yeah. intelligent guys. You didn't really need to coach him so much. They just played on instinct, and they were great at it. And they knew where to go. They would hit the guy hard. I mean, there's, you know, could you call them lockdown safeties? I, I don't know. I mean, no, not necessarily. I mean, what's just, the word for a safety who's just awesome? So, I mean, it's just punish. Those guys will punish you. Just punish you. Know. you. I like punishing safeties. I like that. You, maybe you'll get that twenty yard catch, but you're gonna pay for it. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna get up and you're gonna feel that for the next three days. There's a toll here. Um, here, um, Eagles. One more thing I want to mention, which we haven't brought up yet. Demarco Murray. Uh, yes. He's been traded to the Titans. Uh, as I've been saying on my podcast again and again, he was traded for a six pack of beer. Um, which in the NFL is called draft considerations. Uh, I <laughs> think that the draft considerations yet, or is that still kind of a mystery? Uh, I think there, I think there were draft considerations. I'm not. I, I'd have to go look at the details, but I know that they, I know that they didn't get an actual person in. Right. You know, in uh, in return for trading him, that sounds about everything about that sounds like it worked because you know, again, Howie Roseman wanting to get rid of all Chip Kelly's guys, and um. Clearly, DeMarco Murray had a down season. Everything was a disappointment. Nothing worked. I mean, the whole friggin' Eagles team didn't work last year. And 
I got to give credit to Chip Kelly that even though things didn't work, they still managed to win seven games. They beat the Patriots. They I mean, beat the they... Patriots and the Jets. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, just a huge question mark. DeMarco Murray came from, I think, 1,800 yards rushing with uh, the Cowboys. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep. And showed up, and I, I don't think – I think he just topped 700 with the Eagles. So, yeah. it's either – that Dallas Cowboys offensive line was really fucking good, like really good, or – I got news for you. You're right. It was that good. And does that mean that DeMarco Murray's a fraud? He got he got all that money, and he's not actually worth it. They could put – You could put me in that offensive line, behind the offensive line, and I would put up 1,000 yards. I mean – I, I think we're going to see a, what kind of a, a, a player he is. I don't think he's a fraud. I think he's a, he is somebody who benefited way too much from an amazing offensive line, and the Eagles were dumb enough to pay him that much. I, I mean, that's really what's up. The Eagles just were too were dumb. To, any friggin' GM who knows his ass from a hole in the ground knows that DeMarco Murray was probably a little overrated because of the Dallas Cowboys' amazing offensive line and shouldn't be giving him the asking price that he was asking for. I think if you look at Ryan Matthews' numbers, I think he had like 100 less carries, but he put up close to the same numbers. So I don't know if it was just when people saw him line up behind the quarterback, they're like, all right, we're, it's a run. Or if he just really just did not fit that offense. I mm-hmm. think him playing in Tennessee is really going to be kind of the once and for all. All right, whether or not this guy actually is the real deal. I'm still amazed Tennessee gave him that kind of deal because they have um they had pretty solid guys. They had David Cobb, they had um Bishop Sankey, mm-hmm. who I thought was gonna be the guy out there. Antonio Andrews. Antonio Andrews. I think Dexter McCluster played for them too. That's last. correct. They had, of, they had a lot of guys at running back that could, you know, that should be good. I mean, so, it's been we'll a bit see. of a – I think the one problem is that it's been a rotating door there. They've got a lot of guys, and you even said it, Bishop Sankey. I thought he was going to be the man, but inevitably they discovered that all of – none of these guys, they, they, they could all work together and be a committee, but none of them really stood out as a dominant back. And I, towards the end of the season, Antonio Andrews was, I think, the number one there. Um, which is weird. I, which, mean, I think – I don't know. It just makes Tennessee look so indecisive. And it goes back to what we are saying before where, like, you really don't get an audition time in the NFL. No. You either put numbers right away or it's – Or no you're one fired. Wants, yeah, no one I wants mean, to – and Tennessee, I, I couldn't agree more when you're talking about Tennessee. I mean, they fired Ken Wisenhunt pretty quickly. I mean, what, did he even coach two seasons with them? Granted, they were losing. But, you know, again, that idea of, you know, not wanting to settle on a decision. It's like pick a running back. You know, pick some of these players. Uh, I think you're totally right, DeMarco Murray. It's like, listen, if you're playing and you can compete, now is the time to show us. And I think we're going to see his true colors because Tennessee is a young team. Marcus Mariota is a hell of a quarterback. They're really putting something together. Now is their time to actually get some momentum going, and they're going to truly give DeMarco Murray the rock an awful lot. And if he's as good as he thinks he is, we'll see it. He'll get to show. Yeah, he'll get to show that uh, that Philadelphia was wrong. Yeah, and I, I think, think that I think okay, that Ryan Matthews back, is going to be I just fine. Good. You guys are. I think you guys will be okay. And you have another kid from Oregon who I was a big fan of in college. Um, who is this? Uh, Kenyon, Kenyon Barner. Yeah, that kid, uh, and then you got Darren Sproles, of course. Yeah, Darren Sproles, yeah. you know, that's the probably the thing that makes me the most happy uh, or the happiest about this entire thing is like, I figured that Darren Sproles was going to be the cap casualty. He's older. He's making, I think, like $4.5 million. If they cut him, they save 3.5 mil. But now 
that you've moved DeMarco Murray, I'm like, oh, that's a really good chance that we're going to keep him. And yeah. and I love Sproles, and Sproles is somebody who's just so friggin' good. I mean, if anybody has been able to fit, like whenever DeMarco Murray didn't work last year, Darren Sproles would jump in and be great. Whenever Shady McCoy didn't work in the Chip Kelly years, Darren Sproles would jump in and save yeah. the day. I think actually Darren Sproles is one of the big – he was like the instrumental guy in that Patriots win. I remember him catching a couple passes out of the backfield. And he's just, he's so tiny and he's so fast. Mm -hmm. I I feel like he never really, wherever he was, except for with the Saints, Mm -hmm. he got to really show that he just, he could fit anywhere in the offense. I mean, Drew Brees really loved him on the Saints. So yeah, and then Reggie Bush, you know, it, it just, I feel like guys like that just don't get enough shine. It's just because everyone wants that, third down back who can kind of give you the first down and you yeah. know you got to have a little bit of flexibility screen passes when it done right they work super well chris johnson made a living off of that in tennessee where he absolutely mm-hmm. destroyed people on screen passes oh so yeah like he just didn't get the time of day to do it so we'll see if the eagles really kind of put more of a, a feature back role for Darren Sproles. i'm curious about that and you know, I'm kind of curious how they're going to shake things up with with Matthews and Sproles because I think that's you know that's what they're going to roll into this season with as their as their backfield. And um, you know, I feel positive about that. I think that I like Matthews and Sproles. I mean, I'm skeptical of Matthews uh, with his injury history, but I mean, if Demarco Murray's out the door, you know, yeah, I liked them more than I liked Demarco Murray last year. I I felt good when you know I think it was uh, week three when the Eagles did beat the Jets. Um, DeMarco Murray, that was, I think, one of the few games he, he sat out. And Ryan Matthews got the start, and I think he ran for 100 yards. And I think Matthews and Sproles both had touchdowns. I mean, in my I, mind, these are these are serviceable running backs who are doing great. I think the, I think they just probably need – well, Kendrick Barnes kind of put in as like a third down back to kind of give him a spell. I think you guys would be okay in terms of depth. Yeah. And listen, if any, of, if any of them go down, Kenyon Barner's getting called up from the pack this squad. That division is going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting this year. Yeah, especially with I really feel the Cowboys are going to rebound now that Romo will be back for a whole season. I truly this is we're only two seasons removed from that Cowboys team winning the division with double digit wins. I mean, but is Romo going to break his collarbone again? Can that happen? It, uh, of he's, course, he's so it can. fragile. He's so fragile. I, I mean, I I have faith that he'll be able to get through a whole season. I, I have faith that. Cause, and the thing that scares me is if he comes back and does play, then they're a scary, scary, scary division rival. And Darren McFadden, I mean, kind of unsung. Also, he's got that great offensive line Dude, behind him. He, that he, kid, and he remember? played through the whole season. He played the whole season, got a thousand yards. I mean, he they they they're looking good if Romo's healthy. Cause I who was the backup last year? Was it Castle? Uh, well, first it was Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon, yeah. Then they cut him, and then they signed Castle. Gosh. Oh, gosh. Mind you, Brandon Whedon then went and started for the Houston Texans later in the season when Brian Hoyer went down. Even they, even, uh, yeah, the Texans had an even worse kind of backup situation than the Yet the Texans are in a crappy enough division that they were still able to win their own division. Which is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Did TJ Yates throw throw some passes for them too last year? Yes, they did. They had four starting quarterbacks last year. Uh, Mallett, Hoyer, TJ Yates, and Brandon Whedon. That's absurd. And they won the division. <laughs> and they won the division. And they won the division. By committee. By committee. Uh, are you keeping up with your Philly, uh, your 76er games or what? 
Oh yeah, of course I've been keeping up with my 76er games, man. I, you know, a little, little Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor's done for the season, but, uh, you know, there's, um, there's, uh, you know, some, I, I love me some Ish Smith. Yeah, man. I, I didn't see him coming. I'm not going to lie. Ish Smith came out of nowhere. Dude, I didn't see him coming either. I, but he's been, he's been wonderful. He's, I mean, the team didn't have any point guards. Team didn't have any point guards. And I just, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to. Pleasant surprise. I mean, it was kind like of knock when they were pretty much getting manhandled the season. I mean, they still get manhandled every night. At least they do play with heart. Uh, you know, the, it's tough sometimes to see anything positive about the team, but at least they go out there and they give it their all. And there are some players who are showing some promise. You know, Jeremy Grant has actually been improving. You know, I'm going to mention these names just because I've been going so deep with the Sixers lately. I really know everything inside and out. Uh, what I learned about Jeremy Grant is his brother is the one on the Knicks, uh, Jerry and Grant. Oh, really? They're yeah, you know, related? yeah, they're brothers. And wow. their uncle is Horace Grant. Remember Horace, Horace Grant? Yeah, I think, okay, yeah. From the Bulls From, uh, with Michael Bulls. Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. So, I love Horace Grant. so so this is a this is the Grant basketball family. Jeez. And I think Horace Grant had a brother named Harvey, and I think these are Harvey's sons. Talk about a pedigree. That's what I was, because I was sort of like, who are these guys? I started looking it up, and I was like, oh, my God, they're all from the Grant family. Holy moly. Jeez. Yeah, that's, but, uh, you know, to go back to them, you know, Jeremy Grant is someone whose play has been improving. You know, he's almost like a, I don't want to say his game is like K.J. McDaniels, but he's a, one of these younger guys who the Sixers are like, oh, oh, this is someone we might need to hang on to as we actually start to build. Right. And I think soon, very soon, there's going to be steps towards building for, um, you know, actual, I think they're actually going to try to start bringing free agents in and truly building a, a legitimate team soon. This is a little segue clip in the middle of the podcast to let you know that uh, at this point in time, we had some uh, power and battery issues. We had to pause the podcast. So I'm just going to segue right into the ending. And this is where Shaka and I finish our interview. Here we go. Shaka, dude, so... So awesome to have you on the show. I think we've been talking an awful lot about some football. I, I kind of want to call it just because I think we should have a separate podcast, talk some b-ball, get a lot of b-ball talk in. We can rip apart the Knicks, the Sixers, the whole nine yards. Definitely. Um, sounded good. Do you, do you think maybe this is the football? We'll do the basketball next time? Yeah, I think I just lost track of time there, but this is awesome. I dude, love to do this. Dude, we lose track of time all the time here on <laughs> Sam Sports Podcast. So, yeah, let's do some basketball next time for sure. I love it. I love it. No, I'm looking forward to it. But this is – um. Dude, this was awesome. I, I love talking sports with you. I love it when, when time just flies and I don't have to look up and I'm like, oh my God, that was just an hour of my life, which I just enjoyed deliciously because all I'm doing is talking sports. Awesome. Let's do it, man. Um, well, listen, so uh, I'm going to sign us off. Let me plug all of my stuff. As always, um, find me on Facebook, Sam Sports Station. Email me with feedback at uh, samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. It's real easy, as you know. Um, get me Facebook. Tweet at me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at SmithFaceJones. One of these days I'll tell you exactly where that comes from. Uh, and as always, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. That's tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can hear me on 610 a.m. ESPN Radio in the local Philadelphia area. So if you're in Philadelphia, Philadelphia, you can tune into 610 AM 
and uh, hear me loud and clear. But if you're not in Philadelphia, you can go online, listen to me at 610amsports.com and listen live there, or you can listen to the past shows in podcast form. As always, you can find my podcast on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or just Google Sam Sports Podcast. I pop up. They find me now. Um, But yo, first, I really just want to thank Shaka for coming on the show. Shaka, this was totally awesome. And I want to have you back on ASAP. It was an honor. And uh, I'd just like to thank everybody for listening. Absolutely. You you have some excellent opinions. We chat a lot about football, so... Thank oh, you guys. For we got we got plenty more football to chat about. They got a whole lot of off season to fill because you know football slows down. We've got to fill it up with sports talk. And we got the draft coming too. So we got the draft coming up, and then we've got the, the NBA playoffs. Man, we're gonna we're gonna be off and running when the NBA playoffs roll around. Oh yeah, awesome. All right, uh, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Shaka, for coming on the show, and uh, talk to you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>